following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Strap in, movie fans. We're about to take you 30 years into the past to explore the biggest blockbuster hits of the 1990s. I'm Pete. And I'm Michael. And And this this is is Box Box Office Office 30. 30. You know, we always called each other good fellas. Like you'd say to somebody, you're going to like this guy. He's all right. He's a good fella. He's one of us. Hello, hello. Welcome to Box Office 30. We're doing something a little bit different this week. Uh, We actually ran into a funny issue, which is that the movie that we're doing this month, Postcards from the Edge, Mike and I have never seen before. So it's going to be a little tricky to do our normal box office and total recall and things like that with that in mind. So we thought we'd actually take a little step back and do a prequel episode this week. And we're going to call this one Box Office 30, the prequel. And we thought we'd maybe you know, do things as we do, because Mike and I are this way, a little bit out of order, (laughs) and uh, give you guys basically a zero episode, talk a little bit about us and how we got, um, you know, became friends and kind of got going on this podcast and things like that. So a little bit different tonight, but uh, we'll see. How are you doing, Michael? (laughs) I'm doing well. So, So Pete, not only have we not seen Postcards from the Edge, I'd never even heard of it till we went through the list. I was like, what is this movie? Where am I going to find this thing? I was like, oh boy, this is going to be rough. But yeah, I think it was one of these titles where I was like, what is that one again? And then I like looked it up and I'm like, oh yeah. And I, I had never seen it. The only reason I have any kind of knowledge or quasi attachment to it is that it's like a semi autobiographical movie about Carrie Fisher. Oh, um, that I think she actually wrote and directed. We'll double check that when we go to actually do the proper um other version of this uh, episode later on in the month but um yeah i think it's supposed to basically kind of be about her life um a little bit when she was younger obviously you know she obviously did uh, much different versions of that when she was older um but uh that's the only kind of yeah again like you know star warsy link i have to <laughs> to that but yes i absolutely did not see this <laughs> this movie so you and i will be watching it for the first time together yeah that'll be interesting so um so kind of what i was thinking about with this prequel episode was taking us down a little a trip down memory lane if you will and going back to you know, if you want to think of it like an origin or whatever, h- how we came to be to this point. And what I wanted to first dive into was, so Pete, you and I both went to school um, for film together. We started at different times and we finished at different times, but we became fast friends while we were there. But yeah, in the middle, <laughs> in the, somewhere in the middle. Yeah. So good old Fairly Ridiculous. Yeah. So if if you guys don't know, uh, we went to a college in New Jersey named Fairly Dickinson University. And uh, it was a small uh, liberal arts college in in the middle of North Jersey. Like if you you know where Jersey is, like they're very strange about how they talk about the state. Like you're either from North Jersey, South Jersey, or you're from the shore. And yeah, I'm trying to figure out where I land now. So again, like we mentioned this last podcast, but in, in the real world, 
since the last podcast, I've actually moved to New Jersey. So I don't know what I'm considered. Middle Jersey, maybe? You, I don't know. They would classify that as Central Jersey. Oh. Ah, there you go. You have to learn your Jersey lingo now that you're living there. Yes. So I used to be a Northern Jerseyer, and, yeah. and then I went back to New York, and now I'm back here. So I guess now Central Jersey. Interesting. And, and, and so I hail from Long Island. And so Pete grew up in, in the East End of Long Island. And so even though Long Island is parallel, for some reason, if you lived out in the East End, if you lived anywhere outside of like the Riverhead Hamptons area, you lived up island. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's true. It's actually it's a funny point you say it with Jersey, but it's just as tribal <laughs> out there, really, which is that, um, you know, everybody kind of considers like you're either East End like middle island or like up island like yeah like where you are i think would be like probably middle slash up island is i think how we would have in the hamptons classified you <laughs> yeah very very true where like for me i live on the south shore so i'm like okay i'm near the beach and when they say like oh where do you live near the south shore if i say like jones beach like oh i know jones beach i'm really like 25 <laughs> minutes east of jones beach but if i have to give a landmark to somebody who doesn't know I just say that and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, I, I know where that is. Great. No, well, that's the other split. Yeah, that I wasn't even thinking about, which is the North and South split too, because like even you know I'm a Fork person, South Fork. There's North Fork, and like the two of those things also feel like as they could be as different as possible. Oh yeah, like <laughs> like two different states. It's it's weird. It's an interesting. <laughs> Long Island is an interesting place. If you ever want to go it's check kinda it out, kind of like split into sixths. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's it's a very good analogy. I like. That. And actually, everybody on Long Island like disavows like. Queens and Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even though those are part of it, it's like, nah, that's the city. <laughs> Long Island ends at Long Beach, and that's about it. That's where, the, that's where the line is drawn. So, you know, what I was thinking about when we wanted to talk about this prequel episode was, you know, how we got to the point of, you know, both of us ended up studying film at the same college. We both chose a college in New Jersey, even though we grew up in Long Island. We both chose a school that most people had never heard of, let alone knew that it had a film program. So yeah, everybody that knows that school, everybody I've run into afterwards is like, oh, the dental school or, or the teaching school. I don't know school? if they've even had like a dental program since like the 50s. Or yeah, like no, that. Not, not at all. <laughs> the, the, the science building they had was converted from an old horse stable. And uh, I don't know if there's any dentistry in that building. I took in a... No, uh, no, the dentist school was... Um, Teaneck or is that Hackensack? It was it was either in Teaneck or like something that pre-existed both that doesn't exist as part of the school anymore. Somewhere else, or maybe as you say, Hackensack or something else. But I've run into people that were like, oh, the Fairleigh Dickinson, the dentistry school or something. So back way back when it must have been known as that, but I guess so. It certainly had nothing to do with, with our end of it. So I feel like RM was like liberal arts hospitality management. Yeah. Something like and that. Education, yeah, and education. Like teaching. Is, yeah. So, Pete, I'll, I'll let you start. So what I, I know your journey to even get you to Philly Dickinson is a little bit of a <laughs> convoluted story. So I'll let you go first. Ooh, where to start? Uh, I guess I should start by saying that I had absolutely no intention of doing anything related to film or ultimately what I have become, which is mainly a photographer. Um, I was planning on um, doing aerospace engineering. 
<laughs> I was looking at schools and, and, and planning to try and work at NASA or, or something like that. You know, I was on my school's robotics team, um, things like that. And then kind of at the kind of tailish end of high school, I had a photography course and I had a video course and essentially it was pretty much fulfilling electives at that point. Um, but I kind of fell head over heels for both of them. And I don't know, in, in a lifelong sense, I don't know <laughs> which one would have been better. You know, maybe the other one would have been a little better pay or something like that. But, um, you know, that ended up the route that I went. Particularly, I got very into the idea of film. So it kind of flipped my college search on its head. I went from looking at, you know, RIT and Emerson and, and places like that and started then looking at a totally different set of schools for um, film and things like that. So, yeah, as you say, I ultimately end up at fairly ridiculous. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's probably a lot of factors that went into why I ultimately ended up there. I mean, there's a lot of them that I would go back and tell my younger self, like, rethink that, <laughs> you know, like, as the irony of my life is that I've ended up living in New York City for over 17 years. But when I was thinking of colleges and, and you know, thinking of, you know, schools like, um, you know, NYU or, or, you know, just anywhere that has like good, decent, you know, film schools attached to them. I was like, oh, I don't want to be in a city. I want a campus. And, you know, I got that campus at FDU. I mean, as you said, it's a, uh, it's a retired um, Vanderbilt um, home uh, that Frederick Law Olmsted, who designed Central Park, also designed this entire place. So that's why they had the horse barns and all this sort of thing on the whole property there. Cause it was, it was like this, you know, rich mansion home and the mansion is still there as the academic office, but I got that campus life, but you know, I don't know in the, in the grand scheme of things, I don't know, maybe, maybe a city location would have been better or more dedicated or, or something like that. Um, I know, I feel like you and I both have our various reservations about school and, and kind of what we got out of it and, and where we ultimately ended up from it. But, uh, you know, long story short, yeah, we spent some time there. Um, I met you rel relatively early, Sean. Obviously, you started before I did um, by about a year. Um, and, and, you know, we kind of became loose friends at first, kind of just passing in classes and then better friends later on and better friends after that. And, and now, like, we are um, as as linked as you can possibly be outside of marrying somebody, <laughs> I think. That's true. right. I mean, we, you know, we're kind of like... Uh, as Jay and Silent Bob would put it, hetero life mates. <laughs> yeah, I guess you. Yeah, that's true. I would say that's a good, good analogy for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of the long and short of my story. You know, I, I, I college is like a, a mixed bag for me. I had some real high highs. I had some real low lows. Um, I, for what it's worth, I feel like I came out of there with a lot of, um, good information. Uh, you know, I ended up picking up kind of a second major partway through um you know the way our film track kind of went it, just, it was electronic filmmaking and digital video design as if that's not a mouthful to put on yeah. a uh, diploma but um they had obviously the various sort of tracks in that and i think you and i were both on the kind of more feature film track um but then they also had a like a 2d and 3d graphic design and animation track and and when i got in there i had i had been screwing around in photoshop and things like that for a couple of years um, but when I got in and started doing some of those courses and some of the basic 3D courses, I just really fell in love with that. And so I started working on a lot of that as well. And I think probably for what it's worth, I got maybe 
more education out of that end of it, I feel like, ultimately, than the, the film side, um, which probably feeds into why I ultimately in life, you know, umpteen years later are now more so a photographer and graphic designer. <laughs> Uh, but you know, I good base got a good base out of there. I think I wish we had had a more um, chance to do a little bit deeper working in the field and interning and things like that. That I, I guess that we didn't have so much at that point. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was interesting, and I, I've worked in the film field on and off. Um, you know, I've worked with a couple television shows, uh, like Forty Dollars a Day with Rachel Ray and. Um, I was working for this place, Plum TV in the Hamptons for a while, and they did a number of different shows that I was working on. Uh, never worked on a feature. <laughs> I know you and I have friends that have um, done work on features. So that would probably be another fun thing, but unfortunately missed that uh, that boat. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's still a big part of my life and my career. I still do a lot of video work, um, but I've just kind of ultimately ended up telling stories one frame at a time versus 24 frames at a time. <laughs> Well said. Well said. Yeah. <laughs> like how about that. yourself? I mean, not to tread over the same territory too much, but no, no, no. It's a, it's my story is similar yet different in in a lot of ways. So, funny enough, when I was thinking about college and high school, I actually wanted to be an actor. I really, really desperately wanted to do filmmaking as an actor, not as a filmmaker, so to speak. You've had a lot of different filmmaking hats. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Actually, I mean, maybe we'll get to it later, but you did some acting for me, and I did a little acting for you. But <laughs> I, yeah, I, I um, I, I tend to go the uh, M Night Shyamalan route whenever I make a film. I throw myself into it in some way or another. So, um, <laughs> but so I, I really wanted to be an actor, and my parents didn't want me to go the acting route because they're like, "You're never going to find a job. You're going to be." It's. I came from a fairly strict um, upbringing, and my parents wouldn't let me go too far away. Like I wanted to go to California. I wanted to go to either uh, UCLA, USC, or the University of Oregon. It was really my what I wanted to go desperately. Um, I also wanted to go to Florida State. Those were my like real dream schools that I wanted to go to. And I wanted to study. yeah. See, I kind of like blocked myself on that front. I had it in my head that I wanted to stay quasi-local tri-state area not too far from home and again i probably would have told a <laughs> go back and tell a younger version of myself go out in the world and check it out <laughs> yeah no I, I i desperately wanted to go uh to the west coast uh very much so i wanted to go to either my top schools were usc or university of oregon and um my parents only let me decide to go two hours away that was my maximum range i could go for undergrad and so I basically looked at a, a map and I said, okay, what colleges in a two hour radius have a filmmaking program or acting or something that I could get far enough away that I could have my own life and my own opportunity to live on my own and have a college campus and so on and so forth and still pursue something in the filmmaking realm. Uh, and it ultimately came down to, for me, it was either, Hofstra University, which I would live about 25 minutes away and I would have had to commute, or Fairleigh Dickinson, which was two hours away and I could live on campus and um, have my own life there. And that's basically how it went. I just pointed, I was like, okay, 
this is where I'm going to go. And I got accepted. And even my guidance counselor at the time, she was like, where are you going? Dickerson College? No, no. <laughs> Fairly Dickinson? Is, is that Farley Dickinson? No, it's not Farley Dickinson. It's called Fairly <laughs> Dickinson University. Oh, I'd never heard of it. I was like, oh, okay, good. I, I, I also kind of, I wanted to escape the high school that I went from. So I wanted to go to a place that when I learned that no one had ever heard of this school from where I went to high school, I was like, I have to go there because I want to create my own identity and have my own life outside of high school because I didn't have the greatest of high school experiences. We didn't even have any kind of like film or video opportunities. I took one photography class my senior year of high school and it was all 35 millimeter film. We got to build a, um, what's it called? Like a, a, a black box camera or like a, a light box camera oh, yeah. or a pinhole yeah, like camera, a, like pinhole. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so I started playing around with the pinhole camera and you know how you could like stand still and then you could move a couple of inches and move a couple of inches and you can kind of like create this like ghosting effect on with yeah. the, with the thing. So I was playing around with that kind of stuff and I thought that was really fun to play with the idea of imagery and and photography in that sense. And then I'd also joined the drama club as like a stage manager and stage director. And I, I had stage directed uh, Grease and uh, A Streetcar Named Desire. And I really, really enjoyed that aspect of it because I was, I, I had done a few cameos in both of those plays, but I didn't love the play atmosphere where I had all these people watching me and like all my family there. I don't mind so much being in front of a camera, but when I had like an audience, it, it kind of made me uncomfortable. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to go for this filmmaking degree and do directing and and so on. And then when I'd gotten to Fairleigh Dickinson, I had learned that, OK, I'm not the most talented director. I'm not I'm not the most visionary director, but I was really good at being a producer and it sounds funny because I'm fairly disorganized when it comes to these podcasts, but when it comes to getting down to business and like keeping people on track, making sure that the production is going on accordingly, they have the right equipment, they have the right crew. I really gravitated toward that and I became very good at it. And um, even in my thesis, uh, my senior year, I had directed, produced, wrote, edited, and starred in my thesis film and also produced four other thesis projects during that same year while I was doing my own project. So it was it was fun because I was involved in a lot of different productions, but it actually hurt my own project that I kept being pulled away <laughs> from editing and having the ability to do reshoots that I needed to do in order to make sure my, my classmates got their projects done on time as well. And... um one of the things that kind of bummed me out during that was my thesis professor who I'm still friends with today. And I actually talked to him recently. I wanted my film to be shown in the, in the thesis showcase at night with everybody else's that I helped produce. But for some reason they put me during the, the day showcase and nobody showed up. None of my classmates showed up and I was kind of burned by that. I was like, I worked so hard on this film for two and a half years plus produced four other films and I'm not being shown at night when everybody else was 
that kind of bummed me out and left a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. Also, I too had a little bit of a difficulty with the internship aspect of it. I actually interned at MSNBC in television production as a camera operator. I didn't have any interest in TV news, but there wasn't a lot of opportunities for us to get internships in the field of filmmaking and and you know feature productions at the time. So I was able to take what I could get. Um, I do remember that we had to do a like a Photoshop class or like a graphic design class at one point. Yeah. And you and I were in class together and you were doing so good in the class that the professor was like, uh, you don't need to be in this class anymore. And it, <laughs> it bummed me out. Cause like we were together for like the first, like five or six weeks or so. And I was like, Oh great. He's going to help me pass this class. He'll get me through this class. And then you were like, Oh, I'm not going to be in it anymore. I'm kind of exempt from it. And I was like, no. <laughs> so the end of the semester was brutal because I had nobody there to support me. I was like, I need him to help me do this. I can't do it. it drove it's me crazy. funny. I was, I've been thinking about this a lot lately that like, again, like I've never been a stellar student. I've never been an all-star student at any point, I feel like in my life. And I feel like that's because I tend to pigeonhole myself into things that I'm really into and then kind of neglect <laughs> the other things. And so it's like, it's definitely that same point in case that like, you know, as you're saying, like some of those courses, especially the 3d ones and things like that, I was like so into them that I'd like go offline. And it, again, these are the days before YouTube and readily available tutorials like that. And like, I would try and like figure out how to do all the stuff. So as you say, like there was a few classes where, you know, I kind of either got made like the unofficial TA, TA yeah. you know, or or things like that just to, you know, help out because I got myself a little too far ahead of the the subject. But then like you're saying, you know, I think one of the things that, you know, obviously I've gone on over time and you as well to do some teaching at the college level. Um, but, you know, I think one of the things I try and impress upon some of the students I've worked with now is something that nobody was helping me with at that point, which is like time management. You know, yeah. it's like, it's like what you were saying with the, uh, um, with your thesis and helping other people. It's like the same thing. Like you got so into it. It was such like a fun collaborative environment. You'd be working with other people, helping other people out. And it's like, Oh wait, I also still needed to do like this paper and you know, this thing. And I got to render this 3d thing for four days. And you know, it's like, you know, some of the stuff definitely suffered because of, you know, the um, unbridled enthusiasm over the, the film or, or graphical end of things. So I, I definitely hear you on that front. Yeah. So a after graduation, I actually, you know, you graduated the year after I did. So I came back to help you finish your film because you were the assistant director on my film. And, and if it weren't for you keeping me on track, the <laughs> film wouldn't have been finished. So, um, that was a good time. Yeah, that was a good time. So then, uh, beyond that, I actually ended up going back for a master's degree in business management at a college that I was working at as an admissions counselor. And I also produced a series of sh documentary short pieces for their aviation program, in which you helped me on as well, going out right. and shooting them. We got to <laughs> fly all over Long Island, hanging a video camera on the side of a my you know, airplane. Yeah, <laughs> my favorite memory of that was that we none of the students were in. So I think we were doing some B roll. And so I was sitting in the uh, flight simulator just to have a human body in the flight simulator. And the instructor was like, 
you're doing better than most of our students. And I was like, <laughs> I don't find that comforting. <laughs> you know, like I realize I've played video games all my life and like maybe that's going into that. But like, you know, I don't want the people actually flying the plane <laughs> doing worse than me. Yikes. Yeah, that was that was a rough time. That was pretty fun, though. But um, beyond that, I worked for Apple for many years and actually produced a, a couple of internal video productions for Apple itself that we would show inside of Apple retail stores for staff members at staff meetings. And um, then I went on to teach as an adjunct professor in film for several years. And currently I'm, I'm actually at the very tail end of wrapping up a second master's degree in, in a master of fine arts and screenwriting, because I learned over the last, you know, decade and a half or so, or whatever it might be, I guess a decade and a half that, I really loved writing. I, I forgot how much I loved writing and storytelling and the idea of the pre-production part of, you know, taking these infinite ideas in my brain and regurgitating them onto some sort of paper or digital medium and having a story come out of my head. And I hope to produce some of them. I have a couple of them that I'm working on right now that I think are going to be great little short films or web series or even possibly a sitcom. And so that's kind of where I'm at. And my love for filmmaking has never dulled. I actually, I think as I've gotten older, I, I love it more now because I understand it now. And I say to myself all the time, I'm like, if I had the technology <laughs> I have today, 20 years ago when we were in undergrad, I could shoot a feature film with a GoPro and my cell phone. Nowadays, that it seems like nothing, but we had to go out and buy what's called a mini DV tape because we weren't shooting on film in our program because it was electronic filmmaking. And by electronic, it meant it was shot on a, on a mini DV tape or digital video tape. And then we would take that tape and import it into a computer and edit it in Final Cut Pro or Avid at the time. And it was a very slow process, and the rendering was very slow. Even an external hard drive, my very first ex external hard drive I ever <laughs> bought was a 200 gig that cost me $400. And we had yeah. to put it together. <laughs> Um, actually, I'm even surprised it's 200, to be honest with you. Like I, I've been sort of reliving this stuff lately because I, as I said, with all the move, I've been going through getting rid of a bunch of old stuff, things like that. And I have drives still from back then that are like 120 gig. Yeah. And as you say, I think I paid something like $320, something like that for that at that time. Yeah. And not only then would you have to buy that for that more often than not, you would end up buying like two of them and then like a third and like yeah. whatever because you know the film footage is still quite large and if you keep digitizing all that stuff you know it, it ends up taking up a big amount of space even back then oh even um, yeah for sure but you know it, yeah for sure it was uh it was unreal yeah <laughs> i still have like a I actually in recent years i've been trying to pare them down like back them up and pare them down but i have a stack of like old college hard drives you know, that are utterly useless. Like, you know, my wife's like, Do you, could you give those away to somebody? And I'm like, nobody would want them. Nobody you know? would want like them. I have, I have thumb drives I've bought on Amazon for $20 that are bigger than these. now. Yeah. It's, it's kind of funny. Like I have, I have all of my old mini DV tapes that I shot my thesis on and 
I kind of want to digitize them again. I have a, a deck that could import them, but I'm like, who's going to want to see this but me? <laughs> and who's going to want to sit there for 30 plus hours? Because it was literally a minute to minute to import the footage. And I'm like, I don't know if I have it in me to sit there and do this. But yeah, you and me both. I've got those and I've got some old VHSs that I'm always threatening to do the same. VHSs. Oh, we should pull those into my deck and see. I mean, like that's again. Yeah. Just to give like perspective. I mean, we're always talking about on this podcast 30 years ago. Right. But like in actuality, we're talking, you know, right now about like, you know, 19 ish years ago. Like I, you know, for you 20 years ago, you know, you, you would have started school in 2000. I was starting in 2001. Um, and that freshman year shot real to real on VHS. Yeah, no, I came in like having no knowledge of doing any kind of digital video editing. I was shooting on a VHS camcorder. Um, my school again, didn't have much of a film program to speak of, but we did have a little, um, you know, setup where you could, you know, bring in it one VHS tape and a blank one, and then you could jog and shuttle and, you know, start to real. Oh yeah. Yes, you know, do a little a little bit of editing like that. But like, you know, one of the guys that I was friendly with at that point in time um, had a, I think it was an analog uh, high eight um, recorder. It wasn't even a DV. Mm-hmm. I think he had a high eight recorder. And his version of editing our freshman year was that he would hook through the, you know, like the, uh, I guess, what are those coaxial, the um, the red, white and yellow. I've forgotten the name. RCA cable. <laughs> RCA cables um you know to his television and to his vcr he'd put a blank vhs oh, tape in he God. would play off the high eight hit record on the vhs and that was his version of editing mm. you know for that first semester like me i was a little bit ahead of that i think i had like windows movie maker or something <laughs> on my computer at that point and i was doing a little bit of digital editing already um not terribly much but i had kind of gotten into that just before i had left high school um and then you know obviously once we got there and started getting in the the trenches or whatever you know we started learning that and i got into using premiere i've always you know michael and i we always like to talk that we're two sides of the same coin so he's always been mr mac i've always been mr pc um for better or worse <laughs> but uh you know I, I got you know heavy into using premiere on my own computers and um you know we were learning final cut and a little bit i never touched avid too much for whatever reason I don't know if it was that they were phasing it out or whatever, but I, I didn't use their Avid machines terribly much. Um, I was pretty much mostly on their Final Cut machines, I feel like. So they had uh, they had some old Avids, and then my senior year, they had got four new Avid Media Composer systems, and I took the post-production class, mm-hmm. and I learned how to use Avid Media Composer on a PC, and that's what I cut my thesis on, just because I chose that over doing final cut on the Macs because nobody was using the avid machines they were all afraid of it they were like afraid to go in that room and i'm like well if nobody's going to use this thing (laughs) i'm going to go here and use it because yeah might as well (laughs) i literally would have it for 18 hours a day i'd be just sitting in there editing and cutting and this and that and it's not like if you've ever done any editing today it's much much slower you make a cut you add a transition you have to render every single one and you're just sitting there for like, okay, I added a dissolve. I'm going to go render it, go get a bottle of soda and come back because it's going to take a while. Well, actually, that was my whole thing. I mean, many a a late night to start in the computer lab and I got sick and tired of that. So that's why I ended up getting Premiere and just working out of my own computer. Yeah, I, I had a laptop to start. And then when the laptop wasn't powerful enough to keep up, I bought a desktop. 
um, and actually I pretty much became like the in-house editor for several of my friends. Several. Um, every time that they were doing their work, I was basically doing most of the editing um, because I had access to it. You know, it, it meant that we could sit around and order Domino's pizza or whatever and, and do it in our, our, um, you know, our dorm room versus having to run all the way across campus, which was a hike mm-hmm. um, to go over and try and do it in the lab there until whatever time that closed, you know? So it just became easier, but yeah, I mean, everything was slower. I mean, you know, the internet was a lot slower um, for whatever internet that we had. And then, mm-hmm. you know, like I was saying, like YouTube didn't exist yet. A lot of those sort of mediums didn't exist. I think some of them, YouTube, I think was 2006 um, popped up. And I think I see, you know, at that point, I think you had to apply for like a director account or something like that. And at that point you could post a video that was like a max of maybe five minutes. Yeah. And then I think they started kind of slowly upping it over time, but it's not like it is now where like any Tom, Dick or Harry can join, have multiple accounts, upload whatever you want, however long you want, you know, stream live, all this sort of thing. It was like very, very limited. And, um, the initial resolution on YouTube was something like 240i or 240p. Oh, it was small, you know? So like, even when I go back and look at the old videos I posted, they're all like, in that you know, even though you and I would have been shooting on on DV like seven forty no, or seven twenty by four eighty, yeah, it was four eighty. We weren't yeah. even posting it in that, you know, <laughs> like we weren't even posting it in that quality, you know, as as late as two thousand six, two thousand seven, maybe even two thousand eight. Um, it would have been super super low resolution. So like, I think that's the one of the biggest bummers. Retroactively looking back at stuff that that you and I would have worked on at that time is it's all so low resolution that it just looks like hot garbage. Yeah, you know it would have looked fine on a screen then it would have looked like video. It wouldn't have looked like anything terribly fancy, but it would have looked like video. But it just all looks like garbage now, and so much of it we would have been shooting interlaced, which also comes with its own artifacting and issues, mm-hmm. and you know. <laughs> drop frame time code and all this this fun stuff that isn't really relevant anymore yeah um that that you know was a total it, 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 it was like a weird time like it was this really quick transitional time where it was getting away from analog but it was also before digital boomed right so we and before have, hd even existed exactly yeah i mean that was coming in maybe at like the you know tail end of school for like as far as you know watching shows or movies or things like that but the affordability of you and me as a college student buying cameras that could do that no was not realistic you know uh you know like i had even um i have my uh what is it it's not is it gl2 i've forgotten you uh, you have a canon xl2 xl2 that's right you had the gl2 i had the the xl2 and i remember like the big claim to fame at that point was that they um, filmed that george clooney solaris movie mm-hmm. um using that but you know like I'm sure that they even have worked around that, you know, to get better quality for actual, you know, final film production or something like that, because the stuff I filmed on, it really doesn't hold up, you know, and I still have it. Basically it's a a shelf item. Now there's nothing that I can really do or want to do with it. So, but I spent thousands of dollars on that at the time. Yeah. Thousands. Um, And it's other big claim to fame was that you could actually use Canon interchangeable lenses on it. But truth be told, no one ever did that. They, no, no yeah. one. I mean, the lens that came on it was a really genuinely nice lens yeah. cover. It was a zoom lens covered a nice range. 
Um, and it was a nice quality lens. So, you know, like affordability again, like, yeah, you could go out and start spending several more thousand to start buying all the different lenses. I think my draw for it was, there were several things. I mean, there was, there was a lot of manual controls. There was a lot of quality. I was keen on having the two XLR outputs for the audio, um, that was built right on board. Um, that, that kind of made it nice where you could, you know, connect a boom pole and, microphone and and you know get some nice recordings or or, you know lavaliers or whatever um so i think that was one of my big draws for it at that point in time and also you know i i think basically like of the cameras the school had like those were like the creme de la creme and i was like oh i'm gonna get one of those you know and so like i I think that was kind of part of it but um you know i still have it but it's just going to become a little like shelf item among all my other little old retired cameras and things like that I, I sold that one. I sold my Panasonic HVX 200, which was my first HD camera. And I, between those two cameras, I spent probably 10 grand on two cameras combined. Yeah. And, and I mean, we're in like a funny zone now where I feel like a lot of emerging filmmakers, most of YouTubers are using simple things like just SLRs, you yeah. know, stuff that's like pretty affordable by today's standards. You know, they're not necessarily going out and buying like red dragons or, or I mean, some of them might be if they, if they're doing well enough on YouTube, I guess, but um, you know, they're not spending like 10, 30, 50,000. They're spending like 700, 800, maybe. (laughs) I mean, or as you said, using like the phone in their pocket, which I think is always, you know, like I think that's the biggest culture shock for, for you and me. And when you and I were working together on your video classes, uh, you know, the number of people coming in and just, you know, filming out of their cell phone and coming in with perfectly good quality, yeah. you know, sort of footage so um, from that. Yeah. So I have a fun little challenge for you. Do you remember the first time you met me? <laughs> I feel like I remember you telling me about the first time I met you. <laughs> and this is going to sound so crummy of me, but I, I think I must have met you and and like forgotten you in the circumstance if i'm remembering it correctly which is no like diss on you so much as just like oh my god i'm at college there's that thing there's those people whoa this is crazy you know like you know sort of like weird mentality like i I think you told me that we met when i was um doing my orientation yes yeah Uh, i was your orientation leader um and wow, i really <laughs> so again like anybody that's been listening to this is going to be no stranger to the fact that my memory does not work properly but <laughs> geez that's really lousy if i don't remember you from that <laughs> uh, i think i'm pretty sure that you came we did a bowling night one night and i think you and your your sweet mates or some of that are like some of the guys you met uh came to the bowling night i'm i'm that sounds possible i'm like 99.9 percent sure that you were in my group for orientation for your freshman year. But then I forgot about you as well. And then I was reintroduced to you <laughs> a f- about a year or so later. You did that Martian Chronicles video. Yes. And you did one of the coolest things I'd seen anybody in our our film program do is you did the Hitchcockian uh, push in plus like, pull focus at the same time effect and i was like wow he could do that that was pretty impressive that was pretty cool (laughs) yeah you know i think when you're in film school kind of by default unless you're like somebody who's like going in and you're like i'm a director that's what i do blah 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 you know i think you end up wearing a lot of different hats and 
again, like I said, like where I kind of got into filmmaking was I out of my friends in you know high school. I had a camera, so I was the camera guy, and I had a computer, so I was the editing guy. So like the two things I did the most was shoot and edit. So those kind of became my roles. And obviously I had some like little directorial things here and there because you kind of have to, but I wasn't ever like directing. Wasn't like my immediate passion. I really liked the creating portion of it. Like I really liked the get out and and find the angles and shoot. And again, that's probably ultimately why I've ended up as a photographer for a career. Um, But yeah, I was doing definitely a lot of the sort of cinematography thing and, and things like that. And yes, um, I don't unfortunately remember the name of, of that particular shot anymore, but for anybody who's curious, the idea is you take your camera and you truck either in or out and you at the same time simultaneously zoom in or out the opposite. And it does this very weird effect where usually you do this with a, a character in the frame and the character stays roughly in the same spot but the perspective because of the way that the the lenses work and when you move back and zoom or move forward and zoom it changes the the point of or the field of view of the camera and it, it changes the the look of the image and it makes it like kind of wide or or narrow and um it has this really neat effect in motion that is is really cool and as you say it definitely popped up in a ton of Hitchcock films i don't know if he's the pioneer of that or if he's just somebody that used it a lot um, i'm not sure if he's a pioneer either but like if you've ever seen the movie vertigo they use it yes. a lot in vertigo like it's really heavy in that it's in that movie where it's just like this because it makes you feel like you're falling or running away it's it's a weird kind of <laughs> disorienting moment but it, it when it's done right it looks awesome and and when when pete did it in this particular little short film adaptation of this martian chronicles book i was like wow that's pretty cool like i was really impressed by that i think it was like the closing shot because again they were like supposed to just be like you'd take like a little blurb out of like a book or something so i think we just did that i think it was like the closing shot for that and and yeah i mean and again it was like it was really janky because i think like you know we didn't have dollies or anything like that that you would want to normally use professionally and certainly nothing like a gimbal or anything like that so i think i had it on like a projector cart or mm-hmm. something really silly or something like that to do and we had to try it a few times to get it to look and work quite right but yeah that was that was fun to do hey friends pete here from box office 30 we hope you're having a ton of fun listening to our podcast here on the retro network But in case you're not, have I got a deal for you. We here at the Retro Network have partnered with an amazing website, fun.com, to bring the fun to you. If you're a movie fan, which I hope you are, otherwise why are you even listening to this podcast? They have got all sorts of great movie merchandise available from big properties like Disney, Star Wars, Harry Potter, Marvel, and DC, just to name a few. They have great gifts, Halloween costumes, clothes, toys, games, and so much more. As a listener to our podcast, Fun.com is even giving you 15% off of one item until the end of the year. Just use code TRN202015 at checkout, or click the link in the show description and the discount will already be added to your cart. Some restrictions may apply. So check out Fun.com now and let us know what awesome movie swag you get. Now, back to the show. And you'd better be having fun. I'm trying to think. I think the first really solid recollection I have of like 
repeatedly like, all right, this guy's in the class. I know this guy was in um, editing class. Oh, oh God. Are you going to mention the doc, the, the I documentary? To. I, I have to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is, this is a, a footnote in my um, eventual uh, best man speech at Mike's wedding as well. But, you know, it, it, I feel like it's always been like a, a funny footnote in, in our sort of personalities and, and kind of where Mike and I kind of really started to hit things off and our, our personalities jive, but we were in this um, a documentary um, course or editing course. Which was it? Was it editing or documentary? I think it was directing and we had to directing? do a documentary. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. Um, but it, at least one of the, the tasks we were tasked with was to create a documentary. So um, Michael, uh, well, I, I guess I'll say I, I started off by going my, um, then girlfriend, now wife, uh, was in school in D.C. at the time. And I took a long weekend down and ran around with her all around downtown D.C. and uh, did like a 30, what came out to be like a 30-ish minute. Nine-hour um, long documentary. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, documentary about the National Monuments. And again, this is obviously post 9-11. So there's a lot of strong feelings of nationalism and people being proud of the country, you know, nationalism in a, in a good way. and people being proud of the country and things like that. So it was, it was kind of poignant to the time. Um, and Mike uh, stayed at FDU and did like a, what was it like a five ish minute <laughs> documentary on AOL instant messenger. And, you know, Mike likes to point out that we got the exact same grade on that. So, you know, <laughs> I'll let you kind of take away from that what you will, you know, one of us might be smarter than the other. <laughs> so, so, Let's put it this way. When when I saw Pete do his documentary, I knew this guy was ambitious. He had a good set of, you know, good pair on him that he could take a risk like that. <laughs> and um, he had a lot of talent because he, he figured out all the shots he wanted to get. He did really good narration. And he did. He shot the whole thing in a weekend. So, yeah, I'm really proud of that one. Like, I, probably more than many of the other things I ultimately did during college. I was really proud of that one. It came out better than I had hoped for. And uh, again, you you mentioned that same professor that we had for that class before, but I don't know if him and I were ever on the exact same page with each other, but in that like one moment, he's like, he's like, you know, we, we, we finished the half hour screening of it, which was way more than probably everybody else to bring into this class. <laughs> probably had a lot of ticked off people in that room, but, um, you know, like it, it, lights come up and he's like, wow, you really shot the hell out of that. And I was like, that was a high for me. Like, I don't have a, a ton of like educational college highs, but that was a really big high for me like that. I was like, all right, I feel really good about myself now. So, yeah, I think that was a real a real positive one out of the out of the batch of other stuff. I mean, I think I did other good and fine work. But, you know, that was a that was a memorable one for that reason, I feel like. <laughs> so on the inverse for me, like. I wanted to just tell a dramatic documentary that people could relate to. And before there was text message or even <laughs> Facebook or Instagram or any kind of social media, there was AOL Instant Messenger, also known as AIM. And if you were a college kid or you were in high school, you were addicted to this thing. <laughs> you would leave away messages when you'd go to class or go to your job and you'd race back to see who was, you know, 
posting on well, it. It became or... the equivalent of like the dorm door. You yeah, know what I mean, like the, like, the, the dry erase board in the door, and exactly you know. like before I had gone to college when I was a little bit younger, I had gone um, to visit my cousin in college, and she had you know the whiteboard and everybody had the whiteboard on their door and people would like leave messages or you'd be like i'm at such and such class i'll be back later or whatever and i think it was just again like very funny product of its time something that played a very critical role in my life because obviously again my then girlfriend now wife who i've known since we were 16 you know we the first i've lost track you know 10 years or something of our relationship was all distance relationship through AOL instant messenger, you know, um, through like what little, you know, video chat and things were starting to pop up voice chat, things like that, you know, to the point where like when we were dating in high school, you know, unlike what you and I are doing right now, like there was no Skype, um, there was no nothing. Well, like the, the equivalent of it was like this, like Intel, like voice chat thing. And like, I would get on with that uh, with her on that on the afternoon and I'd be like, hey, how you doing? And then like you'd wait 30 seconds and she'd be like, good, how are you? And then like you'd wait 30 <laughs> seconds. Like, like I kid you not. Like we have, I had a point in case because I was always walking around with a camera. I have like video footage of like me talking to her on this thing. And like, I, you know, whatever I would say, there'd be like a gap of like 15 to 30 seconds between when she would reply to it. So, you know, imagine this now that you and I and everybody's, you know, we're living in COVID in the world of Zoom calls and things like this where hundreds of people can get on the same thing didn't exist you know so like you know aol instant messenger was like the thing at that time and again as you said it predated facebook like i remember um i was one of the first people requesting you had to request facebook and you had to have a college email yeah and again like facebook is called facebook because it relates to the concept of a college facebook which was basically a live yearbook while you were going to school it would basically give you who all the other people were in your class for every given year you know, and you know, it, it became a much bigger thing in short order after that. But, you know, it was tacked in to colleges, your college, people at your college had to request it, it had to be approved. So none of that existed yet. And even when it did come about, it was pretty simple. It was just like basically the same thing. You'd have like a wall. You'd leave like Pete Labrosi is blank, you know, doing whatever. But, you know, AIM was big. Yeah. I mean, we all lived out of AIM and it was all about like, what was your handle? And what message did you leave that day? And you know, you was could, it cryptic? You know, who was who? Who was your girlfriend yeah. out with, or who was your? You know, your... You, you would do custom like wave files for like if you received a message. You know, like I had at one point where mine was like swords clashing. So it was like as you were texting ching, back ching, and forth ching, between ching. somebody, it was like ching ching ching. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was very funny. Yeah, it, it was it was a uh, but it was one of those things where everyone was just so hooked to it, and I was kind of interested as to why that was. So I did a documentary where I interviewed a bunch of my friends and stuff like that. But I also, I shot staged footage of me as a character, you know, obsessed with instant messenger, like sitting in the dark in front of their computer, waiting for someone to post or whatever to make it look kind of like it was dramatic in the sense that it was like, this is really addicting to some people, not necessarily (laughs) me, even though it probably was addicted at the time, but who knows? And it was just kind of funny that I spent probably a weekend shooting it as well but i shot it in two locations on campus and and pete traveled you know three hours down to dc <laughs> walked all over the, the you know the capital shooting all these monuments and we came back at the same grade i just thought that was kind of a funny little <laughs> little nod 
And, but yes, you know, and again, like I'll let people take away what that what that means, because <laughs> I there's some takeaways you could probably get from that, but I don't know which of us comes out looking better. <laughs> yeah. But you know, after that project or after Pete's documentary, I knew that I needed him on my thesis team because if he could figure out how to shoot all over DC in a weekend and get back and get the thing edited in time and presented. I needed him to be there to keep me on track. And I kind of went up to him like randomly. I'm like, hey, I'm shooting a film. It's kind of big. It's got a lot of gunfire and sword fighting and a couple different locations. We're shooting out in Eastern Long Island. He's like, oh, well, I'm from Eastern Long Island. I was like, oh, well, perfect. And so it kind of, uh, you know, was a happy accident that where I was shooting and what we were doing. He lived near and he knew a lot of the places we needed to go to shoot and just to keep the crew together and, and managing the whole thing and keep me on track. And he even recently gave me his thesis book that I made for him to keep track of all of our <laughs> stuff. And it's just kind of that's kind of the, the sentimental person that Pete is that he held on to that thing 16 years later, which is pretty amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, it was kismet for me. Um and I don't want to get too far into it, but it was a real low point for me when this kind of fell into my lap. Um, like, I mean, you know, I had um, a group of friends that I was very, very good friends with for the first several years of college. And for various reasons, we kind of had a big falling out and I was just very, very down. I was unhappy at the school at that point. I was emotionally kind of annoyed about you know how my relationship was not that there was problems in it but it's just very very difficult as anybody that's done a distance relationship will know very difficult thing to keep up so you know that was always a tough thing um and there's you know just it was just a real down period of time and um when this sort of came along and as you quite literally said like sort of you're just like hey you know could you join this and like I was like, yeah, yeah, all right, yeah, that that would be fun, you know, you know. It was like, honestly, I was just like grasping it, like, yeah, I'll do anything at this point just to kind of get in that creative headspace and do something fun and whatever. And you know, it's just one of these things that became a life changing moment that you know, you and I have obviously become extremely good lifelong friends. You know, we've th there's basically not a day that goes by you and I don't chat a little bit something dopey or something. We're obviously doing this now. Um, and it was it was like just the right thing at just the right time to pull me out of a hole that I was in. Yeah. Um, no. And, and it was a ton of fun. I mean, like even forgetting that, it was just like we had a, a blast. Every step of the process of of creating that, because I, <laughs> I don't know if Michael mentioned it, but I'll mention it. It was like incredibly, incredibly over the top what he wanted to, <laughs> to oh, accomplish. Yeah. And, you know, you have to put yourself in the position of like early 2000s. We've had the Matrix movies <laughs> and there's definitely like, you know, a lot of like gun kata sort of stuff happening in this. Like, as he says, guns and swords and, you know, like you and I like running around uh, trying to chase a UPS guy to get like swords and things. Oh, or, God. You know, <laughs> I, I, I had to like I had a custom order blank fire guns from out of state. And yeah, uh, you had this guy that you knew that was like in the army or something that like he became like our weapons expert yes. or something like oh, that. Yeah. And, 
It you was... know, like a little bit of light B and E for various <laughs> shots. In, you know, like I call it guerrilla various... filmmaking. It's called gr- yeah. guerrilla filmmaking. Yeah, but... he's like, let's do this, and I'm in the backseat going, this is a very bad idea, but we we made it out unscathed, I guess. <laughs> but, but it's funny. So, like, you know, my my main crew on on the project is like you and Rob and Jeremy and I'm st- and even Krista Cherico, uh, and I'm still very close with all of them still to this day because we had so much fun making the film you know we had our our, our scuffles every once in a while here and there because you know we'd be shooting for yeah eight- I, I remember having to be a little bit of a peacemaker oh, at a point <laughs> yeah. you know we, we'd be shooting for 18 hours a day all cooped up in a house together or whatever and it was just exhausting and so you know we had a few skirmishes here and there with 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 part of the crew but we all helped each other we worked together and you know 15 16 years later i i talked to jeremy two days ago i talked to rob today i talked to you every day i talked to chris today also like and and those are like you know my closest friends coming out of college are the guys that worked with me on my film and you know it's really really important to me that 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 maintained and and it was pretty cool and so this kind of leads me into you know where i want to go next is so, you know, we had this great time in college together, you know, it toward the latter part of our, our college years together. We stayed together working on a lot of projects over time, you know. So when it came down to wanting to do a podcast, Pete and I, you know, have had, had a lot to say with each other for years. Like you said, we could talk for hours a day <laughs> over text message about nothing anything nonsense yeah. <laughs> anything and nothing <laughs> literally why the sky is blue we'll have a half an hour conversation about it and you know pete will go super scientific and i'll be like because it's sunny out you know whatever it might have been <laughs> and, and you know we've wanted to start a podcast for a long time and you know for various reasons whether it was the technology wasn't easy enough to do it when he's in new york city and i'm in long island and or we couldn't find a topic that was perfect or or what kind of felt right for us. But Pete and I have always connected with movies very, very deeply. You know, we would go to every superhero movie premiere or every big, you know, IMAX premiere of a movie. I'd go to the city or he'd come out to me. We'd watch the movies together. And we've always connected strongly with our relationship with movies. It was like our thing together. You know, oh, hey. There's going to be a big movie together. You know, Pete and Mike are going together. It's going to be the thing. We got to go see this movie. We got to see it opening weekend or whatever. As time has gone on and we've had, you know, wives and children, we may not go opening weekend, but we usually try to go within the first couple of days so we don't get spoiled by the internet. Not this year, that's for sure. Um, And then, you know, Pete came to me and he was like, hey, why don't we do like a look back on movies over the last 30 years? and do a podcast about it and then you know we were trying to fish around how to do this and then we were going to start it earlier into in 2020 but then you know covid struck and we kind of lost the first couple of months and then it came up to do total recall and i was like hey we both like schwarzenegger i haven't watched (laughs) total recall in a long time let's do it and we kind of dove into that so Pete, you know, am I saying anything sort of off or is there more you want to add to that? 
Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, if you're somebody who ends up in film school, it's because you have an innate love of movies. And, you know, I think there's a lot of people like you and I that haven't necessarily gone on to become like the next Steven Spielberg or anything, you know, like, but, you know, it still has become a invaluable part of our lives. And obviously you and I have worked in a lot of different capacities, either physically creating films or even just doing, you know, 24 hour film races or teaching film, you know, like <laughs> Mike and I had a semester where I had joined him to kind of assist in teaching at the college level and he had to take off and I ended up taking over the class. And, you know, you know, we've had a lot of different stuff that's been very um, filmmaking built in. And, you know, I'm starting a new job that is going to be back, you know, doing a lot more of that work. So I'm very happy about that myself. But end of the day, I think there's just this innate love of film. And obviously, you know, on the, the portion of the uh, it's taken us a while to do a podcast. I mean, you know, we've mentioned this before in this in the show that um, I had started off just wanting to screw around with podcasts back in like. 2008 was it 2007 somewhere in there and i I started this one called the peak cast you know terribly original title (laughs) it was a pretty Um, good but it had a good logo though it had a really good logo yes yeah um yeah i had a fun little website it was like you know just to like build a podcast and build a website you know it was just for the kick of it but um you know obviously you got tied in a little of that and i wish i had been able to keep it going and that we could have done some more dedicated stuff but whatever reasons didn't work out and then I got heavy in the mid-teens, the 20 teens, that I wanted to, to get you to do a, a podcast with me called The Bromantic Bastards, which... Oh, we should have done it. We should have... So <laughs> if anybody's listening to this podcast, you can clearly hear the bromantic part of all this. But, you know, again, like for whatever reasons, we never got that one off the ground either, I guess. So there was also, uh, we had an idea that we wanted to... Like, Pete got married a... a what is it now? How many years have you been married now? 15 years? 12 years? I can't do the math, which is why I never ended up in the aerospace engineering, but 2006 onwards. So, oh, okay. so is that? Uh, 14 years? Four years? Yeah. yeah. Or 14? 20, yeah, 14. Four, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'm terrible at math. So and it's late. <laughs> there, there was a time when, like, you know, I was trying to find a girl and we were going to do kind of like a, a podcast slash like, you know, <laughs> co- college humor kind of thing. Where I'd walk well, speaking around. of things that don't hold up over time, yeah. my goodness, yes. Yeah. I, I think this was going to be a vidcast, if I remember correctly. Yeah, something that we were going to do something really cheesy, and this does not hold up and would not go over well <laughs> these days. But I'd just go around New York City, just walking up to, to ladies and give them the worst, cheesiest pickup lines like I could possibly come up with to see if what their reaction would be. And it just... <laughs> It never came to fruition, probably for the better, because we would probably be, you know, canceled at this point too early on. Yeah, that might be kind of cringy later on. But, (laughs) but you know, it was definitely a funny idea at the time, but it it does not translate to today. And I'm I'm glad that we didn't end up doing that. But that was another idea we had together of a a goofy little (laughs) thing we wanted to work on. But uh, the the romantic bastards was going to be pretty good. I don't even know what it would have been about. I think we were just it gonna was just going to it was just like a talking. Po- it was basically this, but not specific to movies. Like uh, the idea I had at that point in time, you know, you and I were very into comic collecting, movies, you know, whatever. And so, like, I think it was just going to basically be like a like this week or this month in the life of, and just us BSing on whatever topics we wanted to uh, talk about. And I think kind of the other 
end of it was that, you know, the bromantic bastards part of it would be obviously, you know, you and I are, are close friends, but we'd also be kind of ripping each other as we tend mm-hmm. to do, um, which maybe we don't do enough of on this podcast. But, <laughs> you know, you know, him and I can can kind of give each other the proverbial, you know, you know what. But <laughs> um, well, we but, also we also try very hard to keep it clean on this podcast. So that's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's part of it. But, but in those uh, those daily, you know, we've we've given up uh, AOL Instant Messenger and for whatever reason, we've moved over to um, Google Chat slash Hangout slash whatever you want to call it. Whatever they that. call like, it now. It's a bizarre thing because like Google neither One? Mike nor I talk with anybody else on Google Chat. But <laughs> for some reason, all these years later, we still talk on, on Google Chat, not text message. I don't quite understand why, but. Yeah. I don't know, but, don't, it, 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 but well, it's our thing. Well, it's because you use Android and I use iPhone, and I need to make this Android yeah, iPhone this relationship predates work. That yeah, I mean, it predates. I feel like even that that sort of thing because I think you and I were G chatting when I still was an iPhone person. I I can't really remember why it started. It's just something that started and never stopped. Well, and I think you've actually made valid attempts over time to get me off of it and onto other platforms like. Uh, you tried to get me on Snapchat at a point and that just didn't go through. Yeah. And I, I think there was one other texting thing that you were on at some like point. WhatsApp just, at some point, which I used something, for about yeah, five Something, yeah, I just minutes. never got the hang of, of staying on. But you for know, some reason, that stuck. You know what it was? <laughs> Everybody else I talk to is through text. Everybody else you talk to is through text or whatever. But we still G-chat for some reason every day. You know what it is, I think, is because before smartphones, when you had to text through your, like, I had the Motorola Razor and you had to, like, AAA or 222, whatever it is to get the letters. It was just too much work. <laughs> but we talk so much and we'd be well, sitting I in... I think what it is, if I had to guess, it's because it's through the computer. Right. That's what I was going to say. Because we, I think we it, like, sit it on the computer may or may so not have much. predated like, the texting so much. Like when like you still had to like pay per text. Right. I think you and I started using, using that as like we were both at a computer at work. And you on could, like, Gmail all day text long. Text free. Yeah. yeah. And I think it just never went away again yeah. after that. And, you know, we have, you know, probably... 15 years of conversations banked up at this point which is kind of crazy <laughs> there's going to be a really sad point in time where they're going to be like this isn't profitable and they're going to shut it down and you are, are not going to know what to do <laughs> we'll have to send carrier pigeon messages to each other now like i don't know how to talk to you anymore here you go yeah <laughs> but um so you know we've covered a lot of our history and everything but so i have a couple of you know questions for you is uh, let's start with this. Can you, off the top of your head, think of maybe your top five movies of all time? <laughs> so this is terrible because Mike and I were chatting before the show. And we're like, we should do something like gamey because we've been doing a game every every sort of uh, episode. And I was like, oh, maybe we should do some top films or something. And like, I set myself up to fail because <laughs> it, like uh, this is one of these ones where I get so indecisive. Um, so I, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to kick it over to my my top film series um, because I can never just pinpoint. I uh, Like, you know, I guess the first one I'll throw out there is I'm a huge Star Wars person, but I love all Star Wars. You know, I think the the if we had to choose, I'd have to be like, oh, Empire Strikes Back. But everybody says that, you know, so I, I, I think I would say, like, I really like the Star Wars series. I'm really into all the Marvel universe movies, which is such a cop out <laughs> because there's obviously so many of them. Um, again, if I had to like pick a favorite out of that batch, it's so hard. I, I would either be like in the end games or civil war or like Thor Ragnarok or guardians. Yeah. Like I'm already listing off all, all of them. You know, it's like I can come up with five just right off that batch. 
Um, so it, it's so hard. So I, I'm going to go with film series. So I'm going to say the Star Wars movies, the Avengers movies, the Lord of the Rings movies. Uh, what's some other good ones? I mean, I'm like, I'm so into like all sorts of like comedy movies and things like that, but it's like so hard to like pick any one off the top of my head. I don't know. What's some of yours? Let me see if I can brainstorm in the meantime. <laughs> okay. So in no particular order, but uh, same. Yeah. <laughs> um, Batman 89. Uh, for, of course. For, Forrest Gump. <laughs> I, I love Forrest right. Gump. Um, Unbreakable. All right. Yeah. Um, re- you know, what I, you and I have always bonded over yeah. that movie. <laughs> um, Rear Window. It's a Hitchcock film. Um, if you if you've not seen it, it takes place in one room. It's shot in all one room. It's fantastic. I'm trying to remember if I saw that one during college or not. Uh, I, was, I had a period where I was doing Jimmy Stewart and, and Grace Kelly. And uh, I feel like I at least saw clips if I didn't see the whole movie. Yeah, it's a, it's it's got some of the most iconic moments in film. Like there's a slow motion Grace Kelly moment in the beginning of the movie that's just really really iconic. Uh, so I let's see. So I did Forrest Gump, Batman unbreakable rear window and the fifth one is always kind of tough because i go kind of back and forth if i had uh, you know i'm going to use a comedy this one and the movie that i'll say i don't know if it's my top five anymore but it's it's definitely up there is a movie called you may not have ever seen this movie it's called smoke and aces oh i love smoke and aces i love <laughs> that movie i think that movie is brilliant it's it's such a well put together movie and it's so fun and it's just really a, a, a terrific movie. Um, I uh, I really like that part. And I know this sounds so random, but it's just so over the top when they the one guy I don't even remember who it is has like that Barrett fifty cal sniper mm-hmm. rifle and he's like he's like shooting and just like blowing like chunks of the building oh. away. It's like it's like that scene is like such a perfect like macro sort of look at just how wacky and over the top that movie is yeah yeah that's a good one i'm surprised that's in your top five overall though uh, I, I watched that movie probably 25 times i love that movie um close close you know in the, if i go top 10 i'm a huge michael mann fan like a huge michael mann fan he's probably my favorite filmmaker as a director and i love any given sunday i love um uh, uh manhunter which is the original red dragon yeah that movie is it's chilling it's frightening it's really brilliant um and i also i love miami vice it's a, <laughs> i know it's a, the director's cut is much better than the actual theatrical version but i have a, you know i have a lot of movies i can think of now you mentioned the marvel movies if I, I mean, I mean, this is like what you say. It's like this is why I, I, I regretted it as soon as I said that we should do this because there's so many, right? Because you could start like jumping off like Shawshank Redemption, Green Mile, uh, all the Mad Max movies, like Fury Road. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, Ghostbusters. You know, Caddyshack. I mean, like ugh, the the list goes so deep of all the stuff that you could really talk about, and- pull out. That's like such like amazing things that I'm like, I, I, I was like. Let's do top five movies. And I was like, oh, no, why did I say that? <laughs> so I can also tell you my number one Marvel movie. OK, yeah, let's hear that. <laughs> Captain America, the Winter Soldier. 
Yeah, yeah, that's good. You know why? I mean, like it's it's definitely you know those like that and like Civil War, like those are so up there for me. Like, I mean, they're just such quality movies. And I don't know, you and I could probably spin out a whole other podcast just like on comic book movies, yeah. frankly, because obviously, like you said, you and I are are very into that genre. But yeah, I don't know, maybe we should do that. We could do <laughs> if you're a fan of Box Office Thirty and you want to hear Mike and I uh, go back and watch uh, comic book movies, because there's a lot of them up at all the uh, the Box Office Thirty socials and, and let us know because we could probably make a whole other thing. And, and as you say, it's like, there's a whole lot of them. <laughs> like, I don't know if you're saying that trepidatiously because we'd be digging our, our hole deeper. Here. <laughs> We're already struggling to find time to do the podcast we are doing, but Hey, you never know. It'd be fun. I, I'd go all the way back to 66 and start with that. And West, uh, Batman 66, the movie first and, and work our way forward. Oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, let's see. I, I got one other question for you and let's see if you can even, pull this it doesn't have to be your top five movie quotes but can you think of five movie quotes that stick out in your brain Ugh. do or do not there is no try <laughs> yoda <laughs> <laughs> and that's going to be the uh the perfect one for me to try and sum this up because i'm going to be like i got to try and think of several more okay but... <laughs> so we'll do this one. i either got to do or do not <laughs> we'll go back and forth then so i'll go next so Okay. There's a movie called Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. And uh, <laughs> so listen, this is. I'm sorry. Hold on. Hold on. Yes, there is. <laughs> so, I wonder if we're going to get to that in, in the 90s. I don't remember when it is. that came it's 93. out. I covered it in sequel in, uh, in Wizards last month. So it's February. I wonder if it's a top movie. It is. It's a top movie. It's way oh, up. Oh, boy. So we, a few years down the road, friends, we will be doing Chance and sassy and shadow yes <laughs> and we will be reviewing homeward bound the incredible journey so not to be confused with um what is that other one called it's like something called like amazing journey the adventures of yellow dog yeah, or something, something like that, like, that. <laughs> like so, something along those lines that came out roughly around that same time so you mentioned chance and chance was voiced by michael j fox and yes. There's a line in the movie that, that the dog says where they've been just like trying to get through the mountains for a long time. And he goes, I'm just too poop to poop. <laughs> You've used that one in our conversation I've used before. it many times and it sticks with me forever. So I, I love that line. All right. What do you got next? All right. So because you're on Michael J. Fox, I have to jump over to Back to the Future and throw out there. Roads, where we're going, we don't need roads. Well, that's not Michael that's J. Fox. One. That's actually... I know. I'm just saying it made me think of Back to the Future. It's a, it's a indirect correlation. <laughs> um, so I, I was thinking of uh, a movie that I know you're a big fan of, Groundhog Day. Yep. <laughs> and... It's not necessarily that might be my all time favorite Bill Murray movie. That's, and that's saying a lot because I love Caddyshack to death. Yeah. I, I, there's a lot of movies. Scrooge, obviously Ghostbusters. There's so many movies of his that I love to death. But something about that Groundhog Day just like it kills me. I love that movie. So it's not particularly the line, but what happens in this thing when when he sees Ned Ryerson for like the millionth time and he's like, Phil? Phil Connors, Ned, Ned Ryerson, and he throws him into that icy puddle. 
I just yeah. love that moment. It just cracks me up. <laughs> oh, God. So that puts it back in my lap. I'm going to struggle here now. This is so dumb. There's so many good ones. Get busy living or get busy dying. Oh, that was lame. You're lame. So I No? I, that's fine. It's all right. I'll let it go. I'll let it go. Um, Andy Dufresne crawled through <laughs> what, what is it a, a mile of shit or yeah, something like I'm, that. I'm screwing up the quote. Yes. I'm screwing up the quote. It, it, yeah, it's a good. That's another infinitely quotable movie. Oh, it definitely. I, I, is. I mean, that's what I'm like. It, like that's when you're like peeling the thing back and like disallowing the uh, pick pick top movie series. Like, ah, that's a great movie. Yeah. Like, it's so quotable. I will watch that anytime it's on TV. It is, a, it is a good movie. It's a long movie, but it's a good movie. And we'll, we'll be covering that at some point. because I was, like long movies. My spouse definitely. doesn't, but I like long movies. I like long movies, too. Um, so I've got another one here from the movie Old School. <laughs> You're my boy, Blue. You're my boy. <laughs> I love that. Oh, my God. All right. You're going to think this is a cop out um, again. But another another fun one that I've always really liked is if you built it, he will come. I do right? I do like that line though. It's a good line. Field of dreams. I love yes, Field of Dreams. I, that's that's another really good one. That's, that is a good one. <laughs> um, I just had a good one in my head. So it's another comedy. It's not necessarily the greatest comedy, but I do enjoy this movie a lot. It's a. Uh, it's from Zoolander. And it's it's the scene where um, he tells his father that like you know John Void is like you're a mermaid. He goes he turns to he goes merman. <laughs> he like cries away. <laughs> I love it. Crack me up. Like yeah. I remember another one that I loved to death. And again, we were kind of talking a little bit about this movie um, in last month's. But surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. <laughs> Oh, airplane <laughs> airplane okay so this that was that four i think that was four i don't know i've lost track okay <laughs> so let's see i'll try to find a good one that i can think of and we'll, we can cap it off here um let me think of a good one that i really like that i quote all the time all right it's not that i quote all the time but it's uh i can't necessarily um it's it's kind of the one of the best moments in a comedy movie ever is the scene where Chevy Chase in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is going crazy that his boss gave him the cheese of the month or jelly of the month club. And he's like, <laughs> you know, get, you know, it's like he's like screaming, like, if I could get his, you know, like I forget what he says, but it's something something like, like uh, like spineless, dickless, yeah. brainless. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, it's just like a stream of profanity. <laughs> it's it's just a stream of consciousness of profanity. <laughs> it's just because it's so, it's one of those things. I'm like, you can't write that. Like that has to just come naturally. Like he just <laughs> verbally spit that out, or like uh, you know, another- my favorite aside to that though then is Eddie going like. Well, Clark, that's the gift that keeps giving all year. <laughs> <laughs> the jelly of the month. Yeah. Yeah. So that was. A Can l- I throw one out there yeah. that I'm surprised you didn't mention? Although I know I think you've even mentioned it here in this podcast before, but I know it's a, a favorite of yours is um, 
you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Oh, I love that line. I yeah, that's love a classic that line. Mike that, Kennedy. <laughs> that, that is that is a classic Mike Kennedy quote from The Dark Knight. I love you know, and and The Dark Knight is not even close to my favorite Batman film. Not even close. But that line is just so good and so powerful. It it, it transcends the film, I think, in a lot of ways. But and while we're at it. Yeah. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. <laughs> that that's a good line. Um, They're coming back to me now. <laughs> yeah. Um so I'll end it with this. This is my last one that I can think of. Is um from Home Alone. <laughs> I'm giving you to the count of ten to get your lion <laughs> low down. No good. Keys are off my property. One, two, ten. No, before I pump you full <laughs> of lead. Pump your guts full of lead. Yes, <laughs> that is probably Keep the change. You filthy animal. Oh man, that whole yeah. Sequence actually, uh, is... I don't know if folks out there have um, caught the uh, the little promo that we did for the show, but that one's included a little bit in there. <laughs> oh yeah, I love that line. That line cracks me up. So that's the sad part of me, like blanking on on quotes is that I, we put together that trailer, did that trailer and I put it all full of movie quotes. <laughs> what a fail. <laughs> what an epic fail. That's because you're getting old. That's what it is. You got, yeah. You got, yeah. Moving brain and new job brain. And, you know, you're just that's all right. I'll let it slide. So anyway, right, thank you. So we've spent about an hour and change hour and 20 minutes or so talking about our history our prequel if you will so let's dive in a little bit briefly we're going to be covering this month a movie called postcards from the edge again i am going into this movie completely blind i am not going to even watch a trailer read about it what pete said earlier about it being about carrie fisher that's literally I was breaking news to me. <laughs> that is now as much as you know about it. <laughs> 30 years later, that's breaking news. So I'm going to go into this totally blind. I am very curious to see about this movie, why it was number one. I'm really fascinated by it. It's just, you know. Well, I mean, actually, that's the funny part of this is we've hit two firsts um, this month in our podcast, and it's it's running up against the rules of our podcast. So. One, we had to try and figure out what we were going to do now that we've split the show into a two-part every month sort of thing. So obviously this is our second part. Um, but the other is that we also hit our, it's not number one, it's number two, and we had to move down the list because Ghost is still actually number one for September 1990. And obviously we'll get into this uh, when we do the episode later in the month. We'll do the normal box office 30. We'll go through the the top of the list. But Postcards from the Edge is the number two. So we defaulted to that. Um, after Ghost, <laughs> really? we obviously don't want to spend two hours or four hours talking about Ghost, Ghost again. again so. Yeah, no. <laughs> but uh, but yes, that's that's how we ended up on Postcards from the Edge. That was the number two for September. So that's how we uh, ended up there. And there's obviously some other um, really good movies that are popping up in that month, and maybe some that we should have talked about versus Postcards from the Edge, like maybe Goodfellas or something like that. Goodfellas but, came out um, this month. We're, we're yes, watching this. Yes. Yes. Well, unfortunately, it came out September like mid-september like late in the month uh so uh, yes <laughs> so what kind of producer yeah, I, are you that you go I know, to postcards from the edge but, versus 
I, Goodfellas. I thought it important to stick to the rules because otherwise we'd have to jump several things down the uh, the uh, yeah. chart to get down to something like you that. You know what they say about rules? They're meant to be broken. <laughs> I've heard that <laughs> once or twice. <laughs> well, anyway, thank you guys for tuning in and listening to our prequel episode and, and getting a little history about Pete and I. We've wanted to do this from the moment we started, but we just had so much going on with all these different films that we had cover so much information that it just felt fitting that a month that we knew nothing about the movie we would do our prequel episode and throw it in technically as episode what six seven five uh, if we go by our numbering scheme this is like something like four but i think this is going to get tagged as a bonus episode not a uh, okay true episode <laughs> well, whatever it is but actually for me this was a lot of fun for just to go down the memory lane a little bit and I learned some new things about you. I didn't know you wanted to go into aviation. And and it's just ironic that the fact that you want... Aerospace engineering. <laughs> Whatever. Fantastic. Great. <laughs> but then we, we ended up doing a documentary at a, at a school for aviation. And they say, wow, you should be flying these planes better than the students that are here. And I was like, huh, that kind of... That kind of tracks a little bit. There you go. What do you yeah, know? a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the concept would have been like, I would have hope to have been building something like the mars rover in my previous life versus uh um being a filmmaker slash photographer as i am now. making a 35 minute documentary about the monuments of washington dc yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> but again several people have already heard it even in the course of just this podcast my brain does not function when it comes to math so that was probably a pipe dream <laughs> you know so uh, i'm probably better off where i'm at on the uh, creative end of things and maybe not the um people requiring um their safety in outer space on me kind of <laughs> getting the math right sort of thing oh boy that's funny well hey yeah like um howard from uh, big bang theory that's that's kind of what i was aiming at <laughs> Okay. But that didn't happen. That's, a, that's okay though. That's all right. If it if if it had happened, we would have never met and this podcast wouldn't exactly. exist. Look at that. It'd be so sad. It would be sad. <laughs> so anyway, folks, thank you so much for listening to our prequel episode and stay tuned later in the month for our episode for Postcards from the Edge. And just as a a last minute reminder cuz I'm so bad about doing these Please feel free again to check us out on social media. We're at Box Office 330 on both Facebook and Twitter and Box Office 30 T H I R T Y on Instagram. And as always, thank you so much to the Retro Network for hosting us and and giving us this uh outlet to talk about our show and our and our passions. So thank you so much as and always. Ourselves, I and guess. ourselves, yeah. That's true. Here's yes. hoping anybody's interested in this episode. Yeah. This is gonna be the lowest download episode. It might be. <laughs> or you never know. It might be transcendent. You never know. Who knows? It might be <laughs> Let us know what you think about us yeah. on our socials. <laughs> we spent an hour and a half talking about ourselves and wasted your time. <laughs> Egos on trip. <laughs> All right. Well thank you so much for listening. Have a good night everybody. Herb. Thanks, folks. <laughs> We're going to get you to figure out that it's a novel that you're playing eventually. <laughs> I keep forgetting it's not live. They're not <laughs> listening to us right now. Bye, friends. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network. <laughs>